This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Okay, we're in a series of lessons called uh, Season to Celebrate. And today we're talking about a season to hope. And that's going to take us to Matthew chapter 1. And uh, we're going to begin today talking about the Christmas story for the next few weeks. And um, so grateful for that. I, I, I always enjoy uh, lessons and preaching on Christmas. You know, I've <clears throat> I thought um, when Pastor announced his, uh, the text this morning, or when he announced uh, at the beginning of the service that he was going to draw a Christmas message from, uh, from some, uh, what do you call it? Um, what do you call Balaam? Yeah, dumb, dumb prophet or something. I began to search my mind. Now, who's he? Who's he talking about? It can't be Micah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, right in the middle of one of the songs we were singing, it dawned on me, he's going to preach on Balaam. And sure enough, he did. And uh, I had never, uh, I had never drawn a Christmas theme uh, from uh, from that, but indeed, it's there, isn't it? It, it really is. And uh, appreciated Pastor's message this morning. But anyway, we're going to talk about Joseph <clears throat> today and how God worked in his life. Uh, Joseph was a man <clears throat> who, who had, for a period of just a brief period of time in his life, lost hope. And then, uh, and then God showed up and gave him hope. Amen. So we're in Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to, read, going to begin reading in this chapter, verse 18. We'll read through the end of the chapter. And so uh, if you have your Bibles open there, keep them open there. There are several verses of Scripture in different passages that we're going to look at today. Most of those will be on the screen. So if you just keep your Bibles open to chapter 1 of the book of Matthew, most of the rest of the verses will be up on the screen. But here's what, um, here's what the Spirit of God wrote uh, through his writer, Matthew. And the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And all this was done that might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not till she had, she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Our Father, we're so grateful for this time of year. 
We're thankful, Father, to be able to celebrate, not just on one day of the year, but Lord, all of our lives, and particularly in this season of the year, we're grateful, God, today that we can celebrate the hope that we have in Christ Jesus, the man-child, who came to be a savior of sinners. And I pray this morning, Lord, as this uh, lesson unfolds before us, that you'll give us some truths from your precious word that will strengthen us and indeed give us hope. And we'll thank you for it for Christ's sake. Amen. There's a popular song that we have sung, probably have sung, and we've heard it sung a lot. It goes something like this, it's the most wonderful time of the year. And it was written to celebrate some of the traditions that we observe during our holidays like uh, sleigh riding, uh, time with family, roasting marshmallows over fire, singing Christmas carols, and so on and so on. So many of the traditions that, uh, that we enjoy during this season of the year. Some of them are not necessarily spiritual activities, but, but they do remind us of a wonderful time of the year, don't they? And this is indeed a wonderful time of the year. That song was recorded in 1963, and um, it still... It's still one of the top 10 most requested holiday songs yet. And, uh, and it creates a very festive mood. You know, while Christmas season is a wonderful time for many, there are those around the world that this is not such a good time. It's a time of despair, unrest, and even hopelessness to some people. We live in a world where some things uh, they seem to be going well one minute and then, and then the next minute um, they're breaking down. And uh, for some, things seem to be going well today and then chaotic tomorrow. I hope that's not your pattern of life. But the truth is, it is for some. We who know Christ as Savior, um, we need not experience that sort of thing in our lives because we do have hope in Christ. And uh, this is a wonderful time of the year because we're reminded so often and so well why we celebrate this time of year. It's not because of Christmas trees. It's not because of all the decorations that we put up. But I trust that all of these wreaths and uh, garland and Christmas trees and all the other things we do at this season of the year brings our attention back to Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. I'm glad the garland's lit. Um, I was noticing this uh, display up here of the, of the, the Holy Family. Uh, you, can't, you probably can't see this, particularly since the pulpit's in the way now, but, <clears throat> but when it's not, you probably can't see this, but there's a, little, there's a little candle in there. Can you see it flickering a little bit? And, uh, and Jesus indeed is the light of the world. I realize it's there as a... Uh, Joseph is looking at his Christ child, the Christ child, but, uh, but nevertheless, uh, <clears throat> it's a wonderful time of the year. There's a man in the Bible who knew just what uh, was about to have a wonderful time, he thought. Um, he knew what it was to have a wonderful life where everything seemed to be going as had been planned, and then all of a sudden his world turned upside down. We read about him. His name is Joseph, of course. 
in this first chapter of uh, Matthew's gospel, it's recorded the account of Joseph when he received some unexpected news that created a tremendous struggle in his life. But it also reports to us how he handled it. And we're going to talk a little bit about the way Joseph handled this situation that came into his life today. It certainly is a good example for us to handle chaotic situations that seem to come along on occasion. And uh, Joseph was a very wise man. He was a just man, as we read here in the scriptures this morning. And we're going to talk a little bit about that a little later on. But in the midst of his perplexity, he was perplexed. And in the midst of his perplexity, when things seemed to be the most hopeless for him, I mean, get this picture. Mary and Joseph, they, had, he, they were a spouse. They were married by all, for all practical uh, uh, standards. Uh, they had not had an intimate relationship yet, and there was a reason for that. Of course, at least, and, and that has, a part, that has part to do with the Jewish custom at that time, and we're going to talk about that also a little bit. And, um, and all of a sudden, he discovers that this wife that he's espoused to is with child. And uh, that, would, that would burst anyone's bubble, wouldn't it? And so his world seemed to turn upside down there for just, a, for just a little while. But as I mentioned earlier, God stepped in and gave hope for which we thank the Lord. Pastor Robert J. Morgan wrote this in a book entitled The Promise, uh, God Works All Things Together for Good. Here's what he wrote. He says, in the Bible, the word hope is not synonymous with maybe. Biblical hope refers to a sure and certain expectations, which, because they are still in the future, create in us a sense of anticipation. When we talk about hope in relationship to God and uh, the hope that we have in Christ, we're not talking about wishful thinking. We're talking about an expectation that we have and a promise that God has given to us. And he gives us great encouragement and anticipation of the fulfillment of that, of that promise. And so our, our hope is based on the promises of God that motivate our anticipation for the future and for Joseph, this hope was a promise that he would see the God child that was given to save the world. And so that brings us to Roman numeral number one. In verse 18 here, we see the pronouncement of hope, the pronouncement of hope. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. This was how it happened. As his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. And so this is the pronouncement of the hope. With these few words that we find here in this verse, the Holy Spirit gives us some important details about the life of Joseph and of Mary, uh, to whom God was about to reveal his plan of redemption. And uh, God has a wonderful plan of redemption. So letter A, they were an espoused couple tells us right here in this verse, Mary was espoused to Joseph. In our <clears throat> American society, in our culture here today, um, 
we still largely observe the practice of entering into a, a period of, we call it engagement, an engagement period before the couple exchanges their wedding vows. And uh, that's kind of similar to what uh, the Jews back in those days experienced, but it's different. It was a little different situation. When a couple was a spouse to each other, they were, they were legally married. Mary and Joseph were legally, at this point, husband and wife, but they had not consummated that relationship yet with the, the NFN relationship. But legally, they were husband and wife. And, um, <clears throat> but the difference is this, that Jewish culture espousal signified that a contract of marriage had already been agreed upon by a groom and the father of the bride. It's an interesting, interesting situation. Now, when Jan and I got engaged, before we got engaged, I went to her father and asked for her hand in marriage. Uh, I didn't know whether he was going to throw me out of the house or what he was going to do, you know. But, uh, but he, uh, his response was, I'd be very happy to have you as my son-in-law. That made me happy. And so <clears throat> a few days after that, as I remember, I got on my knees in front of a couch where she was sitting, pulled a ring out of my pocket and said, uh, hey, honey, would you like to have this? That's not exactly what I said. I don't remember what I said. I was too much in love to remember what I said. But anyway, whatever I said, she said yes. And she's got that ring on now. And, uh, <clears throat> but it was, um, how long were we engaged? Year and a half, okay. Uh, but we had, we had known each other for a long time, seven years, I think, before we got married. But anyway, a year and a half later, we stood before a preacher, and uh, <clears throat> he said, would you? And I said, sure, I would. <laughs> I do. <laughs> and she said the same thing. And, and so he said, well, now I pronounce your husband and wife. And I put another ringer on a finger. And... Uh, and so that, that's, the, that's what we go through today, mostly, by and large. It's a little different back in those days. I'm not even sure they exchanged rings back then. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> but they, the bridegroom would go to the bride's father, make a deal with the bride's father, and often give a dowry and sign a contract. And, uh, and that consummated the marriage. Now, it didn't consummate the marriage, but, but that was the, basically, the, uh, that was a contract, and, and it was signed, sealed, and delivered, okay? And so, uh, that's the way it, it happened back in those days. You know, and there's no doubt that uh, Joseph was, was wishing that those days of separation, by the way, there was a, there was a period of separation in the Jewish culture, and it and uh, it was usually for the purpose of the, of the bridegroom actually being separated from the bride for a period of time. But during that period of time, he was off building a home and preparing a home for his new bride to come in. And there's a very beautiful picture of that custom, of the Jewish custom, 
of a spousal that we see in Christ. You know, we're called the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. And he's called in the scripture the bridegroom. And guess where he is today? He's preparing a place for us. And he says, I will come again and receive you, that where I am, there you will be with me also. John chapter 14. Beautiful picture in that Jewish custom of, of what Jesus Christ is doing for us today. And, uh, <clears throat> and so this was the situation with Joseph and Mary at this particular time. And um, they, were, they were an espoused couple. But not only that, they were a pure couple. And this is an important point in the lesson today. They were a pure couple. The Bible says that uh, she was a virgin. Some versions of the Bible, I think we can call them perversions, alter the description of Mary from a virgin to a young woman. I can remember back in the 50s, there was a new version of the Bible that came out called the Revised Standard Version. And the big criticism of that, that, was, uh, that, that Bible, by the way, was put out by the, the National Council of Christian Churches, which, is, which was a very liberal organization. And uh, in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, where it talks about a virgin, I'll give you a sign, a virgin shall conceive, they, they changed that word virgin to young woman. And there, there are some other versions of the Bible that have followed that tradition. I, I wouldn't waste my time on any version like that. And, uh, and for the same reason, I, I, don't waste, I wouldn't waste my money buying a, 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 a new, uh, um, an English standard version, ESV. There's a lot of evangelicals today that are pushing the ESV, but I'm not gonna have one in my house. And I don't need to go in this because I, I think I've mentioned this before. I think the ESV destroys the doctrine of the uniqueness of Christ because it takes the word beloved out. Where, and for example, in John chapter 3, verse 16, uh, we, uh, we, we quote that, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten, not beloved, begotten. He gave his only begotten son. That word begotten is in the Greek text. It's there. And it means begotten. But the ESV leaves it out. In the Johannine writings, it appears five times, the word begotten. But not in the ESV. They leave it out, and I don't know why. It's in the text. They don't, they don't translate it. Uh, the ESV reads, uh, God's son. They just leave out God's only son. They leave out begotten, the word begotten. The word begotten there... <clears throat> Uh, is a, uh, I think it heightens the unique relationship that Jesus Christ has with his Father. We're called sons of God, but we're not called only begotten sons. Because we don't have that same unique relationship with God the Father that God the Son has with God the Father. Well, I've, 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 I've gotten off on that, and I shouldn't have. But anyway, <clears throat> um, um, Mary was a virgin. In, in Luke chapter 1, verses 20, 
6, beginning at verse 26. This will be on the screen, I think. It says this, And in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou, uh, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. The point is, they were a pure couple. They had not illicitly engaged in any relationship that would destroy their purity. They were a pure couple. The Bible tells us in no uncertain terms that Mary was not a, just a young woman. She was a virgin young woman. And the word translated virgin in the Greek, in the, is the Greek word uh, um, parthena, parthenos. It's a Greek word parthenos, and it means simply this, a woman who has never had sexual relationships with a man. That's what the Greek word means. It's translated virgin. And so the importance of this doctrine of the virgin birth can't be, over, can't be overstated, a fact, a, a, a particularly because God puts it in the Word of God so many times. You know, God only has to say something one time to make it true. But sometimes He takes things and duplicates them several times in the Bible to make sure we understand it, make sure we've read it, right? <laughs> and so they were a pure couple. And then thirdly, let her see, they were a blessed couple. And uh, God had blessed them. God was planning to bless them further. But number one, under that, they were totally surprised. Now, <clears throat> after I wrote that totally surprised, I got to thinking, you know, uh, Luke chapter 1 says that the angel came to Mary before she got pregnant by the Holy Spirit and told her it was going to happen. So I have to modify this totally surprised a little bit. They were partially surprised. At least Joseph was totally surprised. All right, but you got your notes there, so just put in the word surprised. And uh, <clears throat> there are two important things about verse 18 here in Matthew chapter one. The first one is this: they were they were they were a blessed couple. They were uh, they were totally surprised. He was totally surprised anyway, because she was found with child. That word found is uh, the, the Greek word uh, urethan, from which we get the English word eureka. What's eureka mean? Anybody know what eureka means? It's a, it is a word. It means I found it. I found it. And that's the same thing the Greek word means, particular, uh, per, uh, specifically. It, uh, the word means something that is discovered through inquiry or observation, it's recognized or it's detected. It was detected that she was pregnant, that she had a child. This pregnancy was not something that either Joseph or Mary uh, had foreknowledge about. But it was completely an unexpected discovery. And then number two, they were totally perplexed over it. That's the second phrase here. The second most important phrase in that verse is this. The child Mary, uh, Mary carried in her, in her womb was of the Holy Ghost. Very important point. 
typically to have a baby, there has to be both a father and a mother involved. And yet the Bible makes no mention of a father for Jesus. Isn't that something? And without question, the most important baby that was ever born in history, there's nothing said in the Bible about having a father. In fact, the Apostle Paul declared it was that, that he was made of a woman with no mention of a man. This is found in Galatians chapter 4, and verses 4 and 5. Listen to what it says. And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made under the law. And then the next verse tells us why, to redeem them that were under the law, that they might receive the adoption of sons. So this, this phrase here, made of woman, it's an interesting phrase. And basic biology, biological evidence, would prove to us that, it, that it's physically impossible for a baby to be conceived without, uh, without the contribution of a father. But this was a unique baby. The Bible clearly states that Jesus had no earthly father. How can that be? As a wise man once said, this is a pretty good quote, don't try to explain it, don't try to explain it, you'll lose your mind. Don't try to deny it, you'll lose your soul. And you know why? Because Paul told Timothy this, 1 Timothy chapter 3:16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on the world, and uh, raised up into glory. The mysteries of God are unexplainable. And when we try to explain them, we'll lose our mind. You try to deny them, you're going to lose your soul. All right? So the very child that Israel had been waiting for was the child that Mary was carrying in her womb, made of a woman. Uh, the hope of the world was wrapped up in this doctrine of this doctrine. This doctrine is truth that Jesus Christ, if Jesus Christ is not the, not the son, that Jesus Christ is not the son of a human father, uh, he is the only begotten, unique son of God. There's not ever been anybody else like him. That brings us to Roman numeral two. The pondering of Joseph, uh, verses 19 and 20. <clears throat> Verse 19 says, And Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make a public example, uh, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear, that, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> So jo Joseph sat down and he, got, he began to think about this, began to ponder it. And we can only imagine how overwhelmed Joseph was when he received this news that his beloved wife, the woman that he loved and had worked so, so hard to create a life for, was going to have a baby that wasn't his. The Bible tells us that Joseph wrestled in his spirit with this news. In verse 19, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make a public example, was minded to put her away privately. So he was in a quandary. 
uh, like any man, I suppose, in his position would be, he was in a quandary. What's he going to do? His dream of a happy marriage seemed to be a busted bubble at this point. Perhaps he even questioned why God would ever allow such a thing to come into his life. But we have to remember that no matter what is going on around us or how little sense it makes to us, God is always right and his will is always based on his understanding and not us. Remember what Isaiah told us, his ways are not our ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. And uh, the way we think is not always the way God has it planned. And we have to know that and understand it. So, Joseph had a choice to make. He could either follow his emotions or he could trust God. What do you think he did? Well, you know what he did. When we find ourselves in a place where we don't understand what seems to be God's plan, uh, we have a choice to make. Well, that, that same choice is what, we, is what we're faced with. And again, let me quote Robert Morgan. He said, we don't always feel that God's way is right, but his faithfulness doesn't depend on our vacillating emotions, rather on his unchanging word. It's not a matter of how we feel but of what God says. And you know, as Christians, we need to learn that lesson and learn it quickly, don't we? Doesn't depend on how we feel sometimes. Our emotions change. You, you can't base much on your emotions uh, because they vacillate so much. You might feel good today and tomorrow you're sick. You know, that'll change things for you, you see. And so, letter A, he pondered justly. He pondered justly. We find a, a, a couple of notable things mentioned about Joseph's character here in this verse. The first one is this. It says that Joseph was a just man. That, that word just is a Greek word that literally means righteous, observing divine laws, virtuous, keeping the commands of God. That's what that word means. It's the, it's the Greek word, uh, dikaios. And uh, from this very word, from the word just there, we, we know that Joseph was a man who followed the Jewish law. He tried to live obedient to it. And having learned of Mary's pregnancy, Joseph would have known that he had a couple of options here. And the two options that he had was, number one, give her a writing of divorcement. You could divorce her under the law. The other option was stone her to death. And uh, so he had a decision to make. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 22 and 23 says this. Um, if a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto an husband, and a man find her in a city and lie with her, then he shall bring them forth. Then, then, uh, then ye shall bring them forth out under the gate of the city, and ye shall stone them with stones that they die. Mary Lynn, that, isn't that verse? Yes, ma'am. I'm sorry, that would be listening. Are you taking a nap? <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I'm tired too. Maybe. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny. 
He could have stoned her, had her stoned. They could have taken her out to the gate of the city and had her stoned to death. And uh, kind of an interesting thing, this, uh, this law says uh, stone both of them. <laughs> Who's the other one they're going to stone? <laughs> you know, I don't know. But he had that option. But the Bible says he was a just man. Not willing to make a public example of her. And that's what, that's what it means there. That little statement making her a public example means he could have had her stoned according to the law. But he didn't want that. And so he pondered compassionately. That's, number, that's letter B. He pondered compassionately. Joseph was also a merciful man. And Matthew records that rather than make that public example of Mary, that he thought, he thought about his option of putting her away privately. And that's a reference to giving her a bill of divorcement. And so he pondered these two options that he had. Put her away privately. And that, that little phrase there means that he would give her a document of divorce, but in a private matter, not to air any reason why, why, uh, uh, any reason why for the divorce, uh, so as not to humili humiliate her in front of her family and friends. So he was a compassionate man. He loved this woman. And that's also according to the Old Testament law, the first uh, option we read in Deuteronomy chapter 22, the second one's found in chapter 24 of Deuteronomy in the first verse. That one's also there somewhere. Wake up, Marilyn. She beat me to the, to the wake up. Deuteronomy 24.1 says, when a man had taken a wife and married her and it, and it, and it come to pass that uh, she find no favor in his eyes because he had found some uncleanness in her, then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it unto her hand and send her out of his house. He could have done that. He had that option under the law. And so he's sitting there pondering these two options. What am I going to do? I love this woman. I love her. But she's been unfaithful to me. And that's what he's thinking at this point. He, she's been unfaithful to me. She lied to me, is what he's thinking. And so he could have easily uh, had a spirit of revenge against Mary. But what he thought, but what, but, but what he, what he thought uh, to do speaks highly of his love for her. Bitterness and anger would have destroyed her. But the truth is it would have destroyed him too, ultimately. Bitterness and anger always does that to the person who's bitter or who's anger. And so, uh, and so I, I believe that the spirit of 1 Corinthians 13 comes to play here. It says, charity or love suffereth long, it is kind. Real expression of his love, he was kind to her. Um, envieth not, charity vaunteth not itself, it does not seek revenge, it's not puffed up doesn't behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, it's not selfish, not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things, love never fails. And he had a deep love for this woman that he was espoused to let her see 
he pondered patiently. Here's an important point. Verse 20 begins with these words, but while he thought on these things, Joseph was still giving deep thought to his uh, response when God intervened. God intervened at this point. Uh, he didn't react impetuously. He, he waited in contempl contemplative thought rather than take a, make a hasty decision uh, that, that would have impacted both their lives, both his life and Mary's life for, the, for years to come. And so he gave serious thought. He, he pondered patiently. And, uh, you know, when circumstances come into our lives that are out of our control, we should consider that they're in God's control and they may be God's will. And so, like Joseph, our response should be to wait to hear from the Lord. Now, I don't know if Joseph was expecting to hear from the Lord or not. Probably not. But, um, but at least he waited. He, he didn't make a rash decision. When he was down at his lowest emotionally, he didn't make a decision. You know when we make some of the biggest mistakes of our lives? It's when we're down emotionally we make these decisions and then we regret them later. We don't think them through. And we make big mistakes sometimes. Joseph didn't want to make that kind of mistake, so he pondered these things. He thought them over. Isaiah was very wise when he wrote these words. But they that, wait upon the, uh, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And that brings us to the third point. Roman number three. The provision of God. Verses 20 through 23. The provision of God. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she's going to bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And now <clears throat> all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And isn't it an interesting thing that God uses that Greek word for virgin here in quoting that verse in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Now, now why didn't the translators translate the word the way the Holy Spirit translated it? You see, they had an ulterior motive, that's the reason. She'll bring forth the son that shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted God with us and so forth. And so <clears throat> um, this was the provision of God. Just spend a short time with any three-year-old and you'll quickly learn one of their favorite questions. Guess what it is? Why? Why? They want to know everything. Why is the sky blue? Why do dogs bark? Why do I have to go to bed? You know, you can grow pretty weary and exhausted sometimes just to keep up with them, let alone answering all their questions. But the truth is, you and I 
are often sometimes like a three-year-old. We become, we become preoccupied with wanting to know what God's doing. Uh, when, when he's when he's going, when when is he going to step in, or or why isn't this working out the way we want, we want it to work out? God always reveals what he what we need to know in His time, and when we don't know every detail and are unsure of how uh, unsure how things are going to work out, we can rest on the knowledge of God that God is good. Everything God ever does is good. He loves us, and he's unfolding his plan in our lives. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He says, when you, can't, when you can't trace his hand, you can trust his heart. Amen. Thank you. And that brings us to letter A under this point. The plan was miraculous. The plan was miraculous. In our darkest experience, we forget that God has a plan to bring good out of suffering. And while Joseph was wrestling through undesirable options, God lifted the curtain and revealed his marvelous plan. God's so good to do that. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 20, it says, And while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And said, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Boy, I bet that was a big relief to him when he heard that. Here's the angel of the Lord standing before him. <clears throat> which, by the way, I, the angel of the Lord, uh, usually in Scripture, is a pre-incarnate um, appearance of Jesus Christ. It is in the Old Testament, and I believe it was in this case. They wasn't born yet, I know. But he's the eternal son of God, right? And uh, the truth is that you and all, uh, well, no, I got off, got off my, note, got off my, my notes here, okay? Uh, let, let's just think about that for a moment. Not only was Jesus to be born of a woman, but he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And in Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, it says this, And the angel answered and said unto her. You see, not only did the angel appear uh, to Joseph, the angel of the Lord appeared unto Mary also. So that both of them had the news. And uh, the, Holy Ghost, uh, the Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born in thee shall be called the Son of God. And so those who deny Christ's virgin birth, they also deny his eternal Godhead and his deity. And some try to, some try to compromise by saying, well, he's a good teacher, he's a prophet. Uh, the Quran says that he was a, some kind of a holy messenger of Allah. But that's not what the Bible says. In John chapter 1, verse 14, the Bible says the Word was made flesh, the word speaking of Christ was made flesh, dwelt among us, Emmanuel. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And in Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In his body, in that body, that human body that, that, that God took on and became the, the only begotten Son of God was all the fullness of the Godhead, and so on. 
Now, <clears throat> because of this marvelous conception, here's an important point, and I'm going to have to close with this, but let me share this with you. Because of this marvelous conception, when Jesus Christ went to the cross, he did not shed human blood. He didn't shed the blood of Joseph as a father. He didn't shed the blood of the human race, of the Adamic race. The blood that he shed was perfect, sinless blood. We read in the scripture that the transmission of sin in the human race is through the bloodline. We all received our bloodline from Adam. You know what happened to Adam. We don't have to go into that. We have in the past. We are sinners because of Adam. Sin came into the world by one man, Adam. And death passed upon all for sin has passed from Adam to all of us. But why was Jesus Christ, why did Jesus Christ not have, uh, and, and by the way, it's an interesting, uh, medically, uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but blood is given to the fetus from the father. Did you know that? A mother doesn't produce the blood of a fetus. The father does in his contribution. And, um, and so the blood that Jesus had was divine blood. Do you realize that Jesus, that God de demanded a perfect, sinless sacrifice and payment for our sins? And had it not been for the fact that Jesus Christ was conceived of God himself, of the Holy Spirit, there would, no be, there would not be any sacrifice that would be available to pay for our sins. The shed blood of Christ, the, the blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross was perfect, sinless blood according to God's demand. And that's the reason why he, he could pay for our sins. And that's the only reason he could pay for our sins, you see. Letter B, let me give you, let me give you the outline, okay? You can read the rest. Letter B, the provision the provision offers salvation. And there are a number of verses of scripture there you can look up. <coughs> Letter C, the promise is personal. Emmanuel. In Matthew 1.23, the name Emmanuel. That word Emmanuel means, interpreted means God with us. God was with us. God dwelt with us. And, and so we could become like him. He became like us so we could become like him. And so the promise was personal. And that's the last point of the outline, isn't it? So now you can go home and eat, having a whole outline. You can read the rest of the notes on your own. You, I hope you do that. Uh, I never have time to finish a lesson here, but uh, read the rest of the lesson on your own, okay? Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for sending us a sinless sacrifice to pay the penalty for our wickedness, our sin. Uh, the, the, the sin, Lord, that 
that has, been, has passed on to all the human race through our parents, Adam, our parent, Adam. And so, God, we pray that you will help us to rejoice in this season of the year because it is a season to hope. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.